Kelsey, so you recently found yourself in a little boat off the coast of Virginia. Paint us a picture. The offshore wind turbines themselves are huge. They're kind of standing stoic in the in the water by themselves. They're higher than the Washington Monument. There are three blades on these massive turbines and they churn out in the water and you can honestly barely hear them. We were in a boat right next to them. It's really, really a dull sound. You can't really hear them over the waves. They're fixed to the bottom of the seafloor. Um, but yeah, they're they're huge. And I was surprised how quiet they are. This is Politico Energy. I'm Annie Snyder. And today, Kelsey Tamburino on the promise and the challenges of expanding America's offshore wind energy. It's Tuesday, October 26th. So you were there because the Biden administration has high hopes for offshore wind. How does that sector fit into the administration's overarching clean energy goals? What's the hope? Yeah. So, you know, from the beginning, President Biden on the campaign trail and when he entered the White House has really pushed clean energy as part of his, you know, goals to wean the U.S. off of fossil fuels, but also create jobs and create a domestic supply chain. And I think offshore wind has really been a focal point for the administration because it's such a new industry in the U.S. and there's a lot of potential and opportunity to grow that industry and kind of create what you want out of that industry. In the first week of the Biden administration, they announced progress on a long-stalled project. And they've just had a steady flow of announcements in terms of environmental reviews and other projects. And they've recently targeted seven projects before 2025 that they want to make progress on soon. So that's really surprising because we've been talking about offshore wind for, what, over a decade in this country? I mean, in, in, a, in a serious way. So I was a little surprised to read that we're, we're not very far along at all. So what have been the hurdles to getting there? And what are the hurdles that the Biden administration faces in, in reaching this really ambitious goal that they've laid out? In the early days of offshore wind, when we first really saw some of these projects come out, one was Cape Wind in Massachusetts. That one faced a a lot of opposition from, uh, you know, residents and who didn't want to see these turbines off the coast of their beaches. But we've also seen that kind of morph into opposition from fishermen groups. And that's really something we've seen recently. There's already lawsuits that have come about for the Vineyard Wind Project in Massachusetts. And that's from fishing groups and from residents. The other thing is supply chain. Most of the components of these turbines are coming from Europe. They're in Asia. They're not being built in the U.S. And that's because the U.S. doesn't have an industry really here. There are efforts to fix that problem. We're seeing announcements from developers and uh, with unions with, you know, to make the substations here, make other components here and to build out that supply chain here. But it really is early days for that. And we just as of now, don't really build these big projects in the near term using U.S. supplies. And then it sounds like another major hurdle for for any sort of project that wants to move forward is the permitting, no? Yes. I've talked to developers who've often said the Biden administration being so helpful and really putting a focus on offshore wind has been helpful and has, you know, been great for them. But also if there's going to be long-term viability in the industry, they really need to see some signs that the permitting process will change in order to really signal to investors that this is going to be something that's long term and that they can, you know, invest in and that there's a process moving forward. The administration is making progress, but still the permitting process takes years. And, you know, in order to move these projects along quicker, they'd like to see some changes made there, which I should say that the Biden administration has 
signal that it, it agrees and wants to make changes as well. We remain to see what those changes are going to be. Um, but, you know, that's something to watch going forward. And in terms of environmental effects, how what do we know about what, what these kinds of projects can cause? So the administration is saying that it, it is trying to answer this question. It's meeting with fishing groups. It's meeting with environmental groups. And the developers themselves have made changes to, they say that to accommodate some of these concerns. Fishermen say that, you know, there's still a lot of open questions in terms of what it means for their catch and also uh, what it could mean for fish in these areas. Hmm. And where does the environmental community stand? They have been supportive, tentatively supportive of this. You know, they see this as an important industry to grow. They obviously have questions and, and I think are watching this, but, you know, haven't raised too many alarm bells right now. I think we're still, again, in the early stages and they see the administration trying to answer these questions. There are still some concerns for what it means for migratory birds and, you know, the right whale and other environmental impacts that we could see down the line. Hmm. Hmm. So the project that you were visiting off the coast of Virginia is seen as a test case. So what do the developers say they've learned so far? This was the first project to put turbines installed in U.S. federal waters. So they, like like you mentioned, this is really a test case for the U.S. industry. They went through the process, Dominion Energy, and they said that they came out of it with, you know, some interesting things that they think regulators might want to do differently in terms of a larger project versus this two turbine pilot project. And the most significant thing they said is just how you bring them into service. And that means that like the permitting process, the commissioning sequence of these turbines and when Boehm can sign off and say that they're ready for operation. Also, one of the crucial Senate votes for Democrats' reconciliation bill is doubling down on his demand for a carrot not stick approach to the climate provisions. On Monday, Senate Energy Chair Joe Manchin said that lawmakers are homing in on an incentive-based approach to reining in greenhouse gas emissions. Well, we're working on climate, basically, uh, credits and, 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 and trying to help people with incentives. You're not going to be able to penalize yourself. You're not going to be able to eliminate to a cleaner environment. The rest of the world is using more fossil than ever before. Manchin has been one of the toughest votes for Democrats to get on the sweeping social spending bill and has adamantly opposed a climate approach that is more punitive than encouraging for industries. So that's why I've said, why pay the utilities for something they're going to do anyway, because we're transitioning. Why not incentivize them to make sure that we have storage quicker and better, that we have the transmission quicker and better, things that we could be doing that helps everybody? Just in the past couple of weeks, Manchin single-handedly killed Democrats' Plan A for climate a clean energy standard that would have paid utilities for switching to carbon-free energy sources and fine those that didn't. Instead, lawmakers are now considering state grants and tax credits that could help the development of clean energy. But time is ticking if they want to give President Joe Biden something to present at the International Climate Summit in Glasgow, which is now less than a week away. Democratic leaders are hoping that a framework, and potentially a bill, could be ready by next week. If you want more news on energy and the environment in your inbox, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music on today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Annie Snyder, and we'll see you tomorrow.